I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. In Japan today, a series of earthquakes rattled Tokyo and the northeastern part of the country. No damage was reported, but the largest quake off the southern shore of Hokkaido caused a small tsunami. It was yet another reminder of the precariousness of life in Japan, a year after last year's devastating earthquake and tsunami. That disaster hit northern Japan's fishing industry especially hard. Ninety percent of the region's boats were destroyed, and more than 300 ports were heavily damaged. Even before such devastation, the fishing industry in that part of Japan was facing a bleak future. Now, though, some fishermen in the tsunami zone are finding that the disaster created an opportunity to chart a new course. Here's our reporter, Sam Eaton. Last March 11th, Hiramitsu Ito stood on this rocky hillside and watched a wave more than 100 feet tall swallow the shore below, lift his house off its foundation, and slam it into a nearby bridge. Ito says when the massive wave pulled back out to sea, it dragged everything with it. The house, his boat, his fishing gear, his entire aquaculture business, and pretty much everything else in the small fishing village of Ogatsu. Hundreds here died that day, and since then even more have left for good. A year later, less than a quarter of Ogatsu's 4,000 residents remain. Before the tsunami, this jagged and dramatic stretch of coastline some 270 miles northeast of Tokyo was one of the country's biggest sources of shellfish and seaweed. Its long, narrow inlets provided calm waters that were perfect for aquaculture. But it was those same steep inlets that caused the tsunami to reach such incredible heights here and caused such massive damage. In the years since then, government recovery funds for fishermen have been slow to materialize. So those who chose to stay in these isolated villages have largely been left to their own devices. One elderly couple spends their days scavenging the rubble of the town for fishing gear that they might be able to repair and use. The woman says they're among the fortunate because her husband saved their boat by taking it out to sea before the tsunami hit. But it was an experience that still haunts him. She says at night her husband yells out in his sleep. He tells her he wasn't scared, but she says she knows the truth. A year after the disaster, the couple are now able to fish a little, but with no commercial buyers, they've just been selling to friends. For others who used to make a living from the sea here, things don't look much better. Only a handful of people left in Ogatsu still fish. But for some of those who remain, the disaster has created an odd sort of opportunity, the clean slate of starting over from scratch and doing things differently. Hiramitsu Ito, who watched his house be swept away, says the fishing industry here was in trouble long before the tsunami. At 50 years old, Ito is a relative youngster. A year ago, the average fisherman was more than 60 years old, few children were willing to take over, and the market price for fish and aquaculture products was falling. And so for Ito and a handful of others, the recovery is less about rebuilding Ogatsu on land. It's about what happens at sea. The rocky coastline here sunk more than three feet during the earthquake, leaving many docks partially submerged. But Ito's has been repaired and he takes me out on the bay on a cold midwinter morning for a look at his new aquaculture operation. There's nothing unique about this boat, the salmon pens, the buoys and lines for growing seaweed, oysters, scallops, sea squirts. What is new is how Ito and his seven other business partners paid for it. 
We formed a company together, he says, and instead of selling our products through the local fishing cooperative, we're going straight to the consumer. And those consumers are the ones who made it possible for Ito and his partners to start over. The company adopted something similar to the community-supported agriculture model that's become popular in the U.S. They sold memberships and so far have raised more than $300,000, money they've used to buy boats, seed oysters, and new equipment. In return, the 2,500 members, many from as far away as Tokyo, get a share of the harvest. Ito pulls a line of scallops to the side of the boat, plucks one off, and pops it open with a knife for me to try. It's about as fresh as it gets. Okay, here it goes. Mmm, <laughs> it's really good. Ito says by selling these scallops and his other products directly to consumers, he and his partners will make one and a half times what they made before. This isn't the first time that fishermen here have attempted direct sales, but Ito says what makes his venture different is that he brought in marketing experts from Tokyo. The company has adopted a feisty clenched fist as a logo, and its name, Oguts, a play on the name of their village, Ogatsu, represents the group's determination and will to do something new. The company even plans on setting up a shop in Tokyo's famous Tsukiji fish market. All this in a fishing culture that fiercely resists change and shuns any outsiders. I ask Ito if we can go talk to another group of fishermen nearby, and he cringes. Those people are hard to deal with, he says. Ito says he and his partners have encountered a lot of resistance to their new way of doing things, especially from older fishermen who want to keep things the way they were. But even the most stubborn are being forced to innovate in the face of disaster. Members of some of the most traditional fishing communities along this coast have begun a temporary pool system in which they share both the gear that remains and the profits they make. Still, Ito says there's something essential that's missing on the boats of those who criticize his new approach. Young people. Ito's crew these days are both in their 20s. One is a young volunteer who quit his job in pharmaceutical sales to help out. And the other is Ito's 20-year-old nephew, Yuku Mura. Mura says after the tsunami, he quit his job as a hotel chef in Sendai, 50 miles away, so he could join his uncle. Fishing had never appealed to him, and it's not even the money that got him excited about coming back to his hometown. Mura says what attracted him the most is the idea of making something and then interacting directly with the people who are buying and enjoying that product. He says the old system where fishermen sold to dealers and middlemen was nothing more than a machine. Like most young people from this part of Japan, Mura had left for better prospects elsewhere. And like his uncle, he also lost his family home in the tsunami. But out here, on the same water that took it away, Mura is surprised to find a future for himself he never would have imagined before March 11th of last year. For the world, I'm Sam Eaton, Ogatsu, Japan. Sam brought back some haunting pictures of Ogatsu and some of the people who are working to rebuild the fishing industry there. You can find those images, plus Sam's other stories from Japan a year after the tsunami, at theworld.org.